You know, today is kind of a mixed day. I was saying to Phil, there's three different directions I could have gone and uh, trying to get in the leading of the spirit. And because I myself had a sluggish spirit, I wasn't clear in which way God should go. So I'm being honest with you. Sluggish does not mean to say you've not prayed. Sluggish just means you're not sharp. And uh, with holidays, you don't get sharp. You focus and shut down. And, and there's something not right about that. And there's something very right about that. Relax is good. But you must, that's why the Bible says keep your mind active and alert. But when you relax sometimes, you, you unplug, don't you? Especially if you've had a very busy and you, a distressful, demanding job. The last thing you want to do is think. You just want to chill out. So I'm not uh, saying, I'm not going to go at you. Please don't think that. I'm just saying about me. My, sh- my spirit was not that sharp. But I'm always ready to speak. But I don't want to be ready to speak and not have the right things to say. Because I don't want to waste your time. And you certainly don't want me to waste your time. And I don't want to waste my time. And church isn't about wasting people's time. For some it is, but not for me. So if you've got your Bibles, go to two Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> this is my first opportunity to speak to you this year. And place continue emphasis on what we, God is speaking to us. Not what God spoke to us last year, what God is speaking to us. The year doesn't make a difference. Okay? It's what God is speaking. God's word isn't about years. It's about his voice being continuous. Amen? And uh, I had a very good prophetic encouragement given to me yesterday by Pastor Marlene. And she said, Pastor Tony, she says, I saw in the spirit. And she's referring to authentic discipleship. She's talking about the school. She said, I saw you in the spirit for many years to come. She said, I saw you with gray hair. I thought, I've got that now. Right? She said, and I saw you. And she was saying there's going to be longevity on your life. And she said, I could see you with this school and it was thriving. And I thought, oh, that's good. And I said to Phil, I don't even more pleased that I've got air in my old age. <clears throat> I said, at least one thing I know is I'm going to have air in my old age. I'm not going bald. Right? So she said she's got air. Uh, I've got air. So that's one encouragement I got. that I'm still going to have air in my old age. So that's a New Year's blessing for me. But the other thing, blessing, is that God is fully behind authentic discipleship. And the word came to us, do it. Do it. You must do it because it's going to actually explode. That's what she was saying. Now, I didn't even have a word with her about that. I'm just sat in the congregation and she begins to speak that over us. So that's a confirmation to keep on doing what God spoke to us before the chimes rang out. It's not a new word. It's a word to convince and to, and to encourage a continual word. Amen. So don't think in terms of last year. Think in terms of continuance. What God is speaking to us must continue. Do you realize the Christian race that you're running is a continued race? It's not a new race. It's a very, 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 very old race. You have just been given your part into it. Others went before you so that you could run your race. And others will run after you so that it would give credence to what you labored for. Others will now run. Amen. So our role uh, in our time and sphere of life is to encourage and mobilize people to run their race well. 
Amen? And our, it's important that we run our race and we continue running our race. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, However it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. How many ears? No, none has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, let's ask the first question. How many people, hand on heart, generally would say, I love God? No, no, I asked you a question, so therefore you need to respond if you would. How many people, and on heart, if you don't know where your heart is, ask the person at the side of you. Yeah? How many people, and on heart, would say they generally feel in their heart they love God? Because if you don't love God, then that opens up a whole new discussion as to why, what's going on in your life, da-da-da, da-da-da. But he's speaking here to those, God has, God has prepared for those who love God. So God has something for us who love him. Is that not true? Is that, is that not what your Bible just said? It's what my Bible just said. God has something, he's prepared something for me, he's prepared in other words, he's taken time. He's thought about it. He knows what's good for me. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's going to bring you joy and happiness, but more so what's going to bring joy and happiness to his own heart. Yeah? God has thought about it. You're not an added thought. You're not an additional idea. You are a pre-thought. God's planned it for you and for me. That gets me very excited. Just like our children, or millions of children around the world, was excited of the possibilities of what might be delivered at the bottom of their bed come the 25th of December. Millions of kids went to bed, hardly being able to contain themselves at the potential joy that would await them at so many, some hours of the early morning. Now, many children, unfortunately, were disillusioned and disappointed. Many were happy. But many of those kids will never really understand the value of what they receive because we live in a consumeristic society. Yeah? But God wants you to know the value of what he's prepared for you. Amen? So, in one way, the kids would say to us, how many sleeps is there? Well, God says he doesn't want you to sleep. He doesn't want you to slumber. But, he want, but, he, but that very thought should inspire you to keep asking God, when's my day? When's my turn? What have you prepared for me? Show me, Lord. In the midst of what I'm going through, promises still don't, uh, just say, promises don't fade. Promises don't, uh, are not taken away. It's just the event of your life seems to put a midst a mist, sorry, not a mist, a mist over them, and you think then that God's promises have been taken away. But the Bible tells us that the mist will one day lift, and you'll see things clearly as he sees them. True? So if there's mist in your life right now, hang on. There's a lot of fog around just recently, but it'll clear. Don't worry, it'll clear. 
So he says, however, it is written. Thank goodness. What's written cannot be changed. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Thank God I love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. There's a key factor there, my friends. This year, the preceding word to Isaac Network, that's the network that we as a house, doesn't matter if you know it or not, but I have a spiritual father, as I've said to you many times, and many of you know that, but I'm talking to those who may not know. You've not been to the place I've been. You don't know the man I know, and you don't, haven't received the word that I've received. There, God, I believe as a prophet of God, not me, he is a prophet of God, that when he speaks, I've always seen God fulfill what he speaks in part, not all, but in part. And I've seen the evidence in many of you. The fruit of that has been, as we've transferred it into the house, God has worked with your lives as well. But what, I, what I've seen is, as God begins to speak, God begins, and, and people begin to believe and begin to use what God's saying, God begins to answer. Yeah? How many of you would agree with that? And God is revealing things by the Spirit. There's no other way God reveals things to you other than by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand that's very, very powerful. When people want to know about their lives, many people will go and seek a different form of spirit. And they'll go to clairvoyance, seances, whatever, voodoos, whatever dark crafts there are out there, arts out there, they'll go. Why? Because there is this intense knowledge with inside man to know what his life is about, where it's going. And people, rather than go through the spirit, they'll go to another source to find out. So whether it's horoscopes or whatever it is, don't let an horoscope predict your life. Your life isn't a prediction. I said, let me say that again. Your life is not a prediction. Your life is a forethought that's been pre-planned by God. It's pre-planned. It's there. The blueprints are there for your life. Right? You can go into the files of God's heart and pull out your file and it's all there. It's not an added thing. It's not something, oh, well, you might be in there. No, you're in there. So, but the key to knowing that is the spirit. So the prophetic word that's been given to us is this year is there is a portal, a dimension of God. We'll call it a doorway an entrance point, or a gateway. So a portal. Who's seen Stargate? Who's seen Star Trek? Any science fiction program you see, there is always this search, wormhole, that's another good word, yeah. There's always this desire in science fiction to get from one dimension to another, from one world to another. Have you noticed that? In a galaxy far, far away. Well, how do we get to the galaxy far, far away? We go through portals, gateways, doorways, wormholes. Yes? That's science fiction. But in the, but in the spirit, there is a dimension that God wants you to go into. And by you living in this dimension, you can know the heart and mind of God. Only ever know the heart and mind of God as you live in this dimension. So the portal is, in one sense, the Holy Spirit. 
His, he is the gateway, the doorway. The, I won't call him a wormhole. He's not a wormhole. He's the gateway, the entrance point, the doorway to the mind of God. Hello? So you need to be in the spirit this year. And I need to be in the spirit this year, every day of my life, so I can know what God has planned for me. There is no other way of you knowing what God has planned for you unless you know the Holy Spirit. You must know the Holy Spirit. I must know the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God gave him to me and to you so we could know the mind of our God. Amen? If we don't know the Holy Spirit, we don't know the mind of God, we don't know the will of God, we don't know the plans of God, we don't know the love of God for our lives. So the whole software to understanding God is the Holy Spirit. Amen? He's the internet. He connects us to what we don't see. But what we know, does that make sense? What we don't see with our physical eyes, we know with our spirit that God is there. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit is given us the internet connection. We've had many, many encounters where we've dialed up and we've got him to answer. Yeah? Does that make sense? So let's pick up in verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit, the man's spirit within him? So here we go now. We've got God's spirit and we've got your spirit. So there's two spirits mentioned in this verse. There's not two spirits in that sense. There's one Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gave you a, gave you a portion of his spirit. Hello? And he gave you, listen. So right now, let's think of it this way. This man you see before you or the person at the side of you is flesh and blood. I, I, Tony Higginson, live in a body. I have a soul and I have a spirit. Every man has a spirit. We'll call it his life spark. Take the spirit out of a man, he's gone. And the thought came to me the other day and I was, I was talking with, I forget who I was talking with now, about this whole thing about cryogenics. And how they try and freeze the body so that in the future, if they get a cure for disease, they can, they can put, put the cure into the body and then bring the person back to life. And my thought is, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can preserve the body. Yes, you can do that. You can freeze that, right? And you hope by freezing the body, you freeze the brain so, the, so no memory is lost. But what you haven't got is the life spark. The spirit has gone. It's left. And because the spirit is gone, the person has gone. So all you've got, what they hope to do is put the key in the vehicle and restart the vehicle. But the engine, or the spark should say, is not there. Not the engine. The engine's there. The spark's not there. So you can't bring the person back. Why? Because it's appointed for man to die once, right? Once. Now, the point is, when he's died, the spark's gone. The spark, the spirit's left him and gone to that place. They can't, now because you have a wonderful cure, you can't bring it back. 
So God has given you and me and every person a spirit. Now, here's the issue. God has given you a spirit, but when you become born again, God recreates your spirit. Right? So every man's got a spirit, but now yours is created. Created, what do you mean? It's already there. Now, created in the nature and likeness and image of the creator. Right? So God now changes your nature. So your nature now, because your nature is carnal. It doesn't want to know the things of God or go the way of God. But the moment you become born again, you acknowledge Jesus Christ, God comes in, touches your spirit, makes it alive to God, so now you have a God conscience. Yes, that makes sense? But your nature is still unformed. So you have, you have the God factor now living inside of you. You have a conscience, but a conscience is not enough without a nature change. Because if your old nature keeps talking to you with all its faults, flaws, habits thinking patterns, your nature will always dictate to you and eventually you will lose your God conscience. That's why people backslide. Okay? So God, through his spirit, wants to keep your nature in line with his nature so that your, your nature reflects his nature and his image and his likeness. Does that make sense? So you are a physical person who has a soul. And in your soul, you have your mind, your will, and your emotions. But now, with your spirit being reconfigured, so to speak, recreated, it now begins to reformat your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your nature, if you're sick in your body, your body will speak to your emotions. Your emotions shut down your spirit. Did they not? Because your body's powerful. I'm feeling really sick. So oh, I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like I can't focus on God. So your body's a powerful voice. And we can't ignore the body because the body is designed to speak to us. It's true. That's how you know. That's how when you see the signs of your body, you can adjust your lifestyle. So that your body comes back. To its full strength. You don't listen to your body, you're gone. But there's a time when your body will lie. The body will lie to you. Women, the menopause, it lies to you. It tells you that you're no good no more, you can't produce, you're useless. Biologically. So they give you substitute tablets to tell you, hey, I'm still up and running. So your body will lie to you. Now your mind, your will and your emotions they will listen to your body. Come on. They will listen to your body. But all over here, if the spirit's not brought on board, the spirit will always be dictated to by the body, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the spirit man is the portal to take the body, the soul, to a new dimension. Does that make sense? But if the body, the flesh... And the, the mind, will, emotions is always going to be the predominant factor in your life. You'll always stay in this dimension. It's called the carnal dimension. I'm very quiet in this Catholic church. So we need to get to a new realm, a new area in God, and we do that by the Spirit. John says, in the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. 
Now, he was talking about a particular day when he was having a revelation. Hopefully, as I'm talking, this is the Lord's day for you. This is the day when God is speaking to you, and now God's beginning to show you things. The the greatest hindrance you have to crossing over into this portal is you. The greatest hindrance you've got to finding out what God's planned for you, living what God's planned for you, knowing what God's planned for you, touching what God's planned for you, is you. It's not Satan. Now, we know we're not ignorant, and we know that Satan has got his own, he's got his own schemes, but guess what? You are a louder voice than him. Your flesh and blood. Now, he will use your flesh and blood as gateways for him to come. But if you can control, the man who can control his flesh or the woman who can control the flesh is the person that can shut it down and and walk in the spirit. How many of you know walking in the spirit is a struggle? Why? Why is it a struggle? Because you have to keep carrying his dead carcass around. Yeah? You can't carry flesh and blood into some areas with God. God won't allow your flesh and blood in certain areas of your relationship with God. God's looking to cut the flesh off. Do you know when you diet, you get rid of pounds, don't you? And you get rid of pounds, and obviously pounds become stones. Stones, eventually, as they leave your body and just dissipate, your body gets stronger and fitter, and it can begin to move faster towards life and godliness. In the spirit, Flesh is the same thing. We need to have a diet in the spirit so that there's some areas that God's trying to take us into we can never get into because we've got too much flesh. Too much flesh. We've all got it. We've all got it. It's not just you, not her, not him, not them. Not it's us. Why? Because we're all flesh and blood beings. Well, I'm just spirit. Really? If you're just spirit, we wouldn't be able to see you, would we? That's why Christ came in a body. So we could see him. Don't get so spiritual smart, you look stupid. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? You know your thoughts. You know God's thoughts within you through your spirit. When your spirit's not been made alive, you have to listen to other people to find out what God's been trying to say to your spirit. Hello? Hello? Now, isn't it wonderful when I'm speaking or someone else is speaking and what we say witnesses with your spirit? Yeah, God said that to me as well. And all of a sudden you go, God's been speaking, God spoke that to me. So I, I can hear God as well. Yes, you can. So what you're saying is you're not smug. We're doing our job. We're doing right because we're training you to listen to God. Now you're hearing it. All you've had is an experience. But how many times didn't you have that experience? So we need the experience constantly, on and on and on and on. So let's pick up the scripture again. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. No one knows the thoughts. Why do you think all the battle is for the spirit dimension? Why do you think people try to use the dark side to get to know God? What's in God's mind? What the future is? Why? Because they're trying to find an alternative route, but no one knows 
the thoughts of God except the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit is part of God. It's from God. And that part of God and that part of from God has been given to you. So you can know it. So you don't have to go anywhere else because you know the way, you know the truth. And the, the way and the truth leads to a person. Amen? So the Spirit of God who knows the truth. Where are we? No, I'm good at them. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the this man's spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. That we may understand, here we go, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. How many of you want to know what God's freely given to you? This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. So there is a way of hearing, there's a way of touching, but then there is a way of expressing what you've heard. Yes? There's a way of expressing what you've heard. There's a way. There's a way. You've got to find the way of expressing what you've heard and seen. You know why? So others can know the same way. There is a way of expressing what you've heard. Now, how many times you see on the open markets people finding a way of telling people? Someone will shout at you. Repent to Jesus! Now, that's not going to get me on my knees, I wouldn't have thought, unless the Holy Spirit convicts me it's probably got more chance in my, this is me naturally speaking, got more chance of actually angering me than it has drawing me. But if someone comes up to me and has a one-to-one conversation, the chances are, as they speak to me, the Holy Spirit will convict me and the rest can be, you know, it's history. But when someone's shouting and declaring, is there a way? Is that a way? Yes. And years ago, it used to work. It used to work. But maybe, and maybe it still can work. It just depends how the Holy Spirit's working. If that's the form, without the Spirit on it, it's going to be difficult. But if it's the Spirit behind, if the Holy Spirit's behind him and says, go and do it this way, that's different. Each man's got to know what God is telling him to do. But there is a way of explaining what you're seeing and hearing. That must become, listen, that must become more evident in your life this year. You must find a way of explaining to people what you have touched, what you have seen, what you hear, what you know. I say it again as a pastor, you must, you must, you must find a way. You must find a way. This cannot just be contained and kept contained inside of you. You must find a way. Must find a way. There is a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. So man's always looking for ways. You must, but there is a way that leads to life. You've got to find, you found that way. Now you need to find, help others to find that way. But in order to help people find that way, 
You must find a way to them. Show me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Give me conversations, Lord. Give me key words. Give me key moments. Give me key opportunities. If it's, I might need to do something in order to open that door. What do I need to do? Do we need to go and give them a gift? Do we need to, do we need to just um, babysit for them? What do we need to do, Lord? Show me the way in. Show me the way in. But the problem is often none of us are looking for it. And because we're not looking for it, we're in the midst of people. This year, mums and tots, more than any other time I can remember, has got young families in mums and tots. We've had this sudden spurt of growth in mums and tots, and the young uns, they're just, they're here. What that tells me is, we have more unsaved people in our church, just in a different aspect of the church. So, it would be wonderful if we could just pull back, lift them all up, and drop them in here. But that's not. But the point is, they're in here. The world has come to the church. But now it's the church's job to find ways into them. And he said, well, that's always been the case at Mums and Sons. It has. Absolutely right. But there has to be a way of reaching these yummy mummies. There has to be a way. So bringing them in and letting their kids, providing a great facility for them, Boo-hoo. That's only one aspect of running mums and tots. But they're here. We must provide a service. That's part of what we do. So the service, so you've got excellence. Right. But the Bible didn't talk about excellence in that way. It talks about excellence as spirit. So our spirit says, Lord, show me a way into these women. Show me, Lord. And the Lord says, okay. I will show you as long as you are asking. If I've got to convince you to speak to them, guess what? You're not searching. So, it's important that we look for ways to build bridges with people this year. And the portal that's opening up, right? Here's the thing. Let's just say, Carol, give me a hand a minute. Carol is a woman I'm meeting at Mums and Tots. This is figuratively speaking. Don't use our natural relationship to understand what I'm trying to say here. Shirley or Carol, in fact, no, we'll use it the way around. Carol is representing the Holy Spirit in Mums and Tots. Carol knows the way into the portal. She crosses, cross, she prays in the spirit. So she's in the spirit dimension. She lives in an earthly dimension. So she's got a foot in both worlds. Yes? She knows the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's inside her. But she knows how to go into the spirit dimension. So the portal's here. But these women don't know that portal. They don't know the way. So what does Carol have to do? Is she just going to call them and shout them over? No. She's got to go and grab hold of me. <coughs> and she's got to find a way by the Holy Spirit to connect with me so that she can pull me, encourage me to go into the portal with her. So that they can know the mind and will of God. Thanks, Don. Wonderful. Wonderful you are. What a great. Don't know why Paul Daniels didn't go for you. So the point is this, is many of those women in that mums and tots, for all we know, they could be hooked into pornography. They could be 
hooked into seances, clairvoyancy. They could be into all kinds of things. We don't know. They're just nice mums with beautiful children playing, but they're women with needs. And we don't know what those needs are until at key moments they begin to manifest, right? And they, and, but you, if you're not ready and not been praying and watching and listening by the Holy Spirit, but you're running a fantastic mums and tots. It's like the Holy Spirit saying, shill, 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 Carol. Over there, there's one ear. But if you're tuning and saying, Lord, open my eyes today. You're, this is you in work. This is not just mums and tots. This is, don't just put this illustration to mums and tots. This is you in your work. You see the same people every day. Lord, help me. Find a way. And I guarantee a conversation will spark up that you never had before and you've been waiting for it and it's an opportunity to bring the portal to where people are sow a seed a seed begins to germinate God begins to work on what you sow right the days of the the slam dunk leading someone to Christ in one day if you can get that fantastic but more often than not seed sowing is, the, is evangelism. But when you've sown a seed, keep praying. Because as you sow the seed, you're watering the seed. You're watering the seed. You've got to water the seed. And as you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, God will unlock the atmosphere because you're taking the portal dimension to your environment. Can you not see this, church? I long for the day when your face changes and there's somebody next to you who we've not seen before. But you brought them. And your face is saying, look, I brought one. I brought two. I brought three. Before they see my life, our life, they're watching yours. Now, what you never want is for, for you to bring somebody... And they say, how come you're not like them? Can you imagine that? You bring your next door neighbor, your next door neighbor says, how come they're not like you? How come they're cleaner? How come they don't gob off as much as you? How come they're not as irritant as you are? How come they're not? And all of a sudden they see all the fruits in us, but don't see them in you. We don't want that, do we? You're the only light they see. So, how many of you would you conceive? How many would conceive in your relationship with God and that there are things that you have not yet seen? Come on, I want consensus. Would you agree with that? How many of you then would also agree in your relationship with God there are many things you still haven't heard? Yeah? Lastly, how many in your relationship with God would acknowledge there are many things you haven't touched? So that tells me there's still more left. There's still a journey to be taken. There's still a dimension to touch. There are still people to reach. Amen? So if we just, by that sheer acknowledgement, simple acknowledgement, there's things I've not yet heard, things I've not yet seen, things I've not yet touched. That tells me, Lord, I want more. Because, Lord, if you're 
if you are so infinite and you are unfathomable and you're so deep and so rich, then there's no end to you. So every day of my life, I can keep seeing more. I can keep hearing more. I can keep touching more. I can keep going further. I can keep going deeper. I can keep reaching higher. Is that not, is that not true? But how many of you know that there are things that God wants you to understand, but in order for you to understand, you're going to have to come aside. There are things that you've got to understand. In order for you to understand, you must come aside. You cannot understand those things that you have not yet understood at the same level of living. I've gone very quiet now. That you cannot understand those things that you've just said, acknowledged. You've not, you, there's many things I don't understand. You cannot understand deeper things by staying at the same level. You must come aside and you must give more of yourself so God can download more of him. It's just the way it is. If I want to go to university and I want to study, I've got to factor into my life, I'm going to have to give four years, maybe five, depending on what kind of university you're doing, maybe three. But irrespective of the time, I know there's going to be time and effort involved. Is that not fair to say? And then I'm going to stand there with my cap and gown. I'm going to feel like all my work and effort was worth it. Is that true? Right. So because you didn't get your cap and gown this side of the uh, heaven, trying to get a Christian to convince a Christian to invest in his own life is hard work. Trying to get a Christian to buy a book is hard work. It really is. Because we have, we've seen there is a decreasing gener there's a generation that's reading less and less. And what they want, they want headline stuff. They want Sky News stuff. But to find Christians that will sit and invest in themselves, when was the, what was the last Christian book you bought? And don't say a Bible. Let me challenge you. When was the, what was the last Christian book you bought? And how long ago was it? It was one of yours. Mine. Well, that, maybe for some of you, maybe for others you've bought other books since. But let's just put the general question out there. You need to answer it, not me. When was the last time you bought a Christian book? Well, there's no Christian world. And there's no Wesley Owen in Manchester anymore. Okay, get off, get off your excuses. Let me ask you the question again. You've got an internet, haven't you? Well, I don't know what Christian books to buy. Oh, so you're going to keep putting excuses, aren't you? How do you think I get to find a book? Do you think I meet the author first? When was the last time you invested in yourself and bought a book? Now, buying the book might be hard for you, but for others, reading it is even harder. You know, Mary gave me a book. So did um, Kath. Both of those books have been read. I didn't choose them. They chose to give them to me. Now, I'm not going to read every book you give to me. Right? I'm just letting me, Probably because you don't, haven't got that many anyway, but... If you have got books and you're given to me, don't think because you're given to me I'm going to read them because that's not the way I work. I've got to be interested in the book. As it happened, I'd already had the, I've already got the book that Kath gave me. So I read it before, but it took me a while before I started reading it. Mm, you know, mm, I've read this before. Mm. And then, no, not dismissed because I read it. Didn't dismiss it. 
Mary gave me a book. I read it. I read her book, her choice of book. I read it, and it did my nuts in. Why? Because it messed with my spirit in a positive way. And that's why she probably gave it me. It was George Muller's book on prayer. God's trying to say, hello, Tony. Maybe you might need to pray a bit more. And I saw similarities with George Muller's life with where we are now for the school that we're about to open up. I saw the same similarities, and I'm just thinking. And then I gave it to Emma, if you don't mind, because I wanted our Emma to read it. I don't know if she's read it. Because I know where Emma devours books. What I'm saying is, is, when was the last time you bought a book? And then, when was the last time you read it? Yeah, outside your Bible. If you don't invest in yourself, how will you ever fulfill what you just said and agreed with you need? Hello? Come on. We have more access to information today, but one thing we don't haven't changed is the time we'll give to read. The saints of God knew little because they didn't have the access to what you had. But do you know what? They did more. They did much more with what they were given. The little they were given, they fed on it and fed on it and fed on it and fed on it and fed on it because they were hungry. The biggest problem we have in the West is not lack. It's too much. And because we have too much, we are dismissive, lazy, apathetic with the things that God's given us. And we here's our opportunity to excel. And yet we're so backward when it comes to Christianity in the West. You want to see Christianity, you've got to travel. You've got to get out of Europe and go and see it in its rawest form, in a war-tour, in a persecuted, in a poverty-stricken environment, in a demonic, crazed world, you'll see people holding on to Christ, demonstrating Christ. And now that's why the missionaries are being sent to us. Because we need remissionizing, if that ever can use that phrase. And God's waiting for his church to rise up. And we cannot rise up without the Holy Spirit. Now, stop in your thinking. Stop thinking we're waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. The Holy Spirit's waiting for you to step into the portal rather than you waiting for him to do something. God says, listen, I've done everything and I'm about to do a lot more things, but I need you, but I need your willingness to step in to my world. I stepped into your world. I stepped into your world to redeem this world. And I stepped in to save you so that you could do it through me. And I've given you all, and that's why you need to go to the other side to take what resources are on the other side so you can bring them. And it's your kingdom come, your will will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So the pattern of earth becomes the same pattern of heaven. But it needs people to live in the spirit to see the pattern, to build the pattern. So that Christ is revealed, and in the revealing, people become reformed. And as you become reformed, environments become transformed. But we need the pattern of heaven building on the earth. And how do we do that? Through you and me interacting with God through the portal. The spirit dimension. Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the gate, I'm the door, I'm the portal. 
Jesus said, I am the way. And as you come through me, my father will give you his spirit and he'll show you the mind of my father. And he'll reveal the nature of my father. He'll reveal, and through my father, my father will show the nature of his son. So the decree this year is the father's decree. What's the father decreeing? He's decreed a lot about his son. What is the, the son's dominion? The power and authority that God has given to you. He's given you his name. He's given you his power. He's given you his blood. He's given you his authority so that you can rule in your domain of life, your field of life. How? Through the Spirit's demonstration. It's simple when you think about it. Oh, when it's revealed to you. And all this works only if you'll step into the portal. Only if you will let the Holy Spirit have more of you. Hello? <clears throat> Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason for what he's about to do, he's about to say. There has to be a reason now for what I'm, behind what I'm saying and encouraging you to do. There's a reason. And Paul says this, for this reason, I kneel. Remember some time ago I told you about how God began to speak to me about the protocol of praying. And God told me off about putting my hands in my pocket when I'm praying. And I'm very conscious because it's a habit just to put your hands in your pocket. It's not, it's not that I'm, I'm trying to be irreverent, but I'm being irreverent, but I'm not trying to do it. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be a nuisance, I'm just, I'm a nuisance. Yeah, you understand that phrase, don't you? And what God's saying, Tony, is if you're going to come closer to me, you're going to have to learn how to approach me. Because now as you're getting wiser and maturer, I can take you and I can streamline you down now to know what really is the way, if you really want to, if you really want to bless your father, this is the way to do it, son. Okay, so this is God speaking to me. I'm not saying you can't, you can't pray with your hands in your pocket. That's what he said to me. Okay? So he said, Tony, get your hands out your pocket. Stand up straight. So I did that. And you know, and you, every now and then, na, 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 and then straight away, it comes in mind. Get your hands out your pocket. Get your hands out your pocket. I know I'm not allowed to pray with my hands in my pocket. Right. Then God starts saying to me, through this book, phase two, now I want you on your knees. <laughs> no, how many of you know the older you get, and I'm not there yet, how many of you know the older you get, Getting down on your knees and getting up is not easy. Have you seen that advert, haven't you? Seen the advert with the cleric, priest, and the, and the Muslim, and they buy each other knee pads? Yeah? Well, that's not me. Because the stallion can, like a coil spring, get up, get down. But now God's saying to me, on your knees, son. On your knees. So I'm on a, I'm on a journey now of on my knees. So, honey, expect to see some... God is showing me, if I'm going to walk in the portal, there's a way. And Paul says, gives us a key to this when he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, that phrase kneel for a minute, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical kneel. It can be an inward, humbling, bowing. Yes? But I'm, the way God's speaking to me is get down on your paws. 
get down on four paws and begin to pray and push in and intercede and I'll let you know when it's time to come up. Yeah, this is for me. I'm just saying that there's a way. But here's Paul saying, I kneel before the Father for whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? Where? Come on, everyone say it with me if you will. Finish it off. In your inner man. So there is, not only there is knowledge, understanding, wisdom for you to understand. There's things you haven't seen or touched, but he wants to reveal it through the source of the spirit. He wants to give you access to his glorious riches. Now, this thought came to me the other day about, you know, it says he's, God has made us divine partakers. God has made us divine partakers of his nature and of his glorious riches, right? Now, many people want to take the riches without the divine nature. And you'll find in church today that there is a split in this, in this thought some will pursue the nature and image and likeness of Christ through discipleship, and they'll emphasize righteousness and holiness, which is, we'd all agree with that. And then there are others who will emphasize in their ministry the riches, and that's how the message of faith gets corrupted. Because the message of riches can lead, without the forming of the nature, will lead well, you, well you'll, want, you'll use the old nature to try and grab hold of his riches and glory. You can't. The old nature cannot lay hold of his glory and his riches. It's the new nature. But you have to partake of the new nature in order to be led to his divine glory and his riches. So without you being in the spirit and the spirit revealing to you the mind of God and the heart of God, why would you ever change? But you still want the riches and you still want the glory, but you can't have it without his nature. It's like, it's like Carol and I having a baby. And we give our baby away. But we give it a fantastic inheritance. So when Carol and I die, or say we don't die, we say we wait until he's about 22 and then all of a sudden we reveal to him, who we are, and your inheritance. Do you think the child's going to be happy? He's going to be somewhat perplexed. One, he's got money, but I don't know you. I don't, you, want me to give me, you want to give me something, and I don't even know who you are. I, I, I don't even get, I got a chance to take anything of your life and your nature. You, you left me. And that's what so many Christians are like. They don't want to know God. They leave God. They don't want his nature, but they want his inheritance. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his son. He gave himself to the world. He gave himself to the church. He's given himself to this body. You have got the whole person. 
You can know his mind, his will, his intimate thoughts because he shares himself with you because you are his children. Right? He didn't just leave his inheritance. He gave himself first. And out of himself, he'll give you access to what he has supplied. He just didn't give you supply and said, you don't need to know me. But when the nature is unformed, they will be used for themselves. And God cannot share his glory with that kind of person who doesn't have the nature. Does that make sense? Am I speaking to someone? So this year, you cannot keep asking God for his riches if you do not keep partaking of his divine nature. You must know Christ. You must know Christ. My whole ministry is about forming Christ in you. It's not about praying. It's not about supplying healings and breakthroughs and and all that kind of stuff. They come as a result, a benefit of forming Christ. That's the tool package that helps you to advance the kingdom. But without Christ, there is no kingdom. And we've got too many churches without Christ. We've got salvation, but no Christ in the midst of the people. How do you know? How can you tell the strength of any church? It's very, very, very simple. See how much of Christ is in the people. That's the number one test of any church. Not how big our church is, not what we're doing, how much of Christ is in the people. And if there is little evidence of Christ, other than they were all born again, right? I'm talking about a developed life. If there is very little developed Christ, Walk out of that church and don't be a part of it unless you want that kind of church. If you want the Christ nature, then you need to find people who can, def- who can form that Christ nature. That's a different life altogether. Most people want Sunday service. They don't want Christ. And they want Christ in their crisis. But there is no crisis in Christ. Hello? Most people want Christ in their crisis, but there is no crisis in Christ. And if you can get the Christ, then your crisis looks different. That was worth the entrance fee this morning. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father. From his whole family in heaven derives its name. And I'm praying out of his glorious. Where's he praying from? Out. Out of his glorious riches. So what's he done? He's already on the other side. He's already partake of the divine nature. He's living in the nature and he's praying out of his riches, not for his riches. And there's a difference between most faith ministries. They're praying for the riches rather than out the riches. So when you know Christ, and, you can, and Christ can form himself in you, you have full access to pray out of his riches, and God can supply richly to all those who believe and ask. Amen? But you must know the nature. You must have this nature in you. God conscience, nature. Well, how do we get this nature? Well, you don't just get this nature by reading the Bible on your own. That's one aspect. 
Somebody has to, and here's the image I got this Christmas, and hopefully it helps some of you. Some of you. Let's just say this book. Beautiful book. Silver. Let's just say this is wrapped up. Now, some of you would have noticed this this year and would have seen this happen, especially around children. What do children like to do when they get presents? They just rip it off, don't they? They don't look, they don't careful, they just rip it off. And then they go to the next present. And it just becomes a euphoric moment. They're not looking at what they're getting. They're just seeing how many presents they can open up. And it's a beautiful thing to watch young kids do that. And so then what happens is, is this, is we're all watching the kids open their presents. And then it comes time for you to open yours. True? But what do the kids do? Kids want to open yours. Right? So here's a present. Let's just say, I have given this gift... To Phil. This is, this is my gift to him. It's wrapped up. And so Phil, oh no, Phil's give this gift to me. Sorry, let's reverse it. Phil's give this gift to me. But Phil is like Ruby. She sees that granddad's got a book. Oh, she doesn't know it's a book. It's a present. And she wants to open it. But Phil doesn't get the joy of opening it. Ruby gets the joy of opening it. Yes? Now, when Christ gave himself, when Christ gave himself as a gift to you, he lets you open him. He lets you open him. Because that's the mystery of God. And in your relationship with God, you're opening him and finding out what his fullness looks like. Amen? God gives you the opportunity to unpack Christ in your pursuit for him. Yes? Now, here's the thing. In order for you to understand, go deeper, touch and see, you must let somebody unwrap you. You have a gift. And God has given you as a gift to this body. Now hear me well. God has given every one of you a gift. God has deposited his life and the Holy Spirit has given to some, he says, to one I give tongues. To another, I give the work in the miracles. To another, he gave the church some to be prophets, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists. So in other words, there's a gift in every one of us. True? But how do you know what's in your package unless you give yourself to somebody to open up and to show you what God's put inside of you? Because you can't open you up. The Holy Spirit opens you up. And the men and the servants of God who God entrusts over every fellowship is there to open them up. But what we do as people, we say... I'll open myself up, but I'm your gift. Well, how can you be my gift? You're telling me that's what you need. But how come your gift might need some work? Your talent will need some work on it. So you are a gift, but it's unpolished. Hello? It might need some batteries. 
It might need to be, it might need to be sent back to the manufacturers. Right? It might need to be assembled. Right? Depending what the gift is, it's going to need somebody to put it together. Because you don't come ready assembled. We all come in flat pack. And then we open up, and somebody has to read the instructions, and then build it. But who's got the instructions? Not you. Now, God will give you instructions in your relationship with him, but there is a pattern. That's why he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. Why? So they could, so they could perfect the works of saints. So they could perfect the work of the saints. So they could perfect the work of the saints. There's a work for the saints. And God's given gifts in his saints so the saints can do the work of the church. But you need to be unpacked. But if I can't, if I come to you and say, can I unwrap your present? No, no, I'm just your gift. Use me. Guess what? My kids, there's nothing worse than a kid giving open his present, and can't turn his tie on. True? Kids, so frustrated. So many believers are like that. I can't believe this church won't use me, so I'm leaving. But give, you need batteries. It's not been built yet. If you wanted it to be built, buy a ready-assembled one. But kids sat there, Dad, 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 can we play with it? Dad, yeah, we'll get some batteries in a minute. And the kid mithers you. Until you get it working. And then he manages your batteries didn't last long enough. You need unpacking. Because his nature needs to be built inside of you. A gift without a nature is no good. Well, it's not, it's not that it's no good, it's undeveloped. It's unusable, let me say that. Because they're still good gifts. So the question is, is will you allow the Holy Spirit through the work of the ministry here to unpack you and put batteries in you and assemble you and show you how to operate what God's put inside of you. Because if no one shows you how to use your gift, how do you know to use it? Hello? A bike's a wonderful thing. How many kids got a bike this year? Some came with stabilizers on. That's not too bad. But what about those million kids who fell off it and got grazed knees? How many, you know, and I was walking in the park. I was walking in the park, and it was Boxing Day. And I see this young family. I've got my, I've got my granddaughters with me. And we're playing. No, it wasn't. I was praying. I went for a walk, prayer walk. And I'm walking around Delamere Park. And this young fella with his, with his son and, and his, right, his kid's riding his bike. And the father is pushing the kid. And I goes up to the fella and I says, Sir, this is no word of a lie. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Sir, this is one of the proudest moments you're ever going to have. He looked at me and he was very he surprised. And then he started smiling. He was an African gentleman. And he said, why? I said, this will always be in the memory of your son. Father behind his son. Hand on his backside, hand on the seat, pushing the kid in the direction he should go, but stabilizing the kid for the course. And I said to him, this is the proudest, one of the proudest moments you'll ever have. And he looked at me and went, wow, yeah, you're probably right. And I brought him to a aha moment. And I carried on walking. And if I sold nothing else into his life, I did that. 
Because that kid needed someone. He needed stability in his life. At that moment, the kid's got the bike. He wants to go. You've got gifts. You want to use them. But you need, forgive me for saying this, you need someone's hand on your backside. <laughs> steering you. Not literally, not my hands on your backside, but do you know what I'm saying? You need someone to st- stable you, hold you up, and say, keep going, keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. You need the hand of the Lord on you. Yeah? So that the Lord can stabilize you and bring you into wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. But you need the Holy Spirit. You Now, to be in the Spirit, you need the Spirit. You can't be in the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. So this year, God has plans. It's going to be wild. In the words of Donald Trump, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be brilliant. We're going to change the world. Okay? In the hands of Donald, the gospel according to Donald, it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be great. Fantastic. You're going to enjoy it. God doesn't say that. I know that. But God says, I've got plans. It's going to be wild. It's going to be full of challenges. There's going to be some tears. Tears of joy. Tears of sadness. There's going to be celebrations. There's going to be funerals. There's going to be victories. There's going to be commiserations. There's going to be ceremonies. There's going to be all kinds of things going on, just as they were in 2016. So nothing's changed. But everything has changed. Why? Because he's asking for himself, but he's asking for you, he's asking for you to allow him to be involved. And you can't do it on your own. So everyone say with me, if you will, I cannot do it on my own. Look at the person at the side and say, can't do it on my own and I need some help. But what help and whose help is for you to answer? What help and whose help? Notice I didn't say turn to the person at the side and say, I need your help. Because they might be your problem. <laughs> they just might be your problem. I don't know. Shirley, look left. Look right, sorry, you've got Kevin. Don't look to under. <clears throat> yeah, just look forward, Shirley. It's important. But you know, if you're happy, it's just me and Jesus. No, it'd just be you and Jesus. Bless you, you and Jesus. You got far together, didn't you? Remember what he said, the work of the saints. You and, listen, your relationship with Jesus shouldn't, is non-negotiable. You should have that anyway. But if you and you, you listen, if you and your relationship with Jesus does not, prov- does not produce a work, then something's wrong with your relationship. Let me say that again. If you and Jesus, just me and Jesus, beautiful, thank goodness for you and Jesus, wonderful. But that's not the whole Bible, is it? So if you and Jesus has not produced you or moved any, you any closer to serving and working for the work of God, then you and Jesus might need redefining. And when I say you and Jesus, I mean you. In Jesus might need redefining. Because your level of relationship needs an upgrade. So what's happening is, is God's allowing you to talk to him, and he's talking to you, but he's only talking to you at a certain level. Why? Because your heart's not willing to go to the next level. 
So God could only speak to you on this level. So it's you and Jesus, and it sounds great. But guess what? There was so much more. So let's stand to our feet, if you will, please. I'm amazed I've got this far. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many want that? How many want to pray out of his glorious riches? How many want to know what it's like to be on the other side, praying from abundance, out of his glorious riches, and that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love, may have power together, with all the saints to grasp. There's that dimension. To grasp what? How wide, how long, how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love, that it surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. And here's the doxology. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory, where? In the church, where? And in Christ, and through all generations, forever and ever, amen. In the church, in Christ, through all generations. In the church, through Christ, through all generations. That's what Paul prayed, and that's what we're going to stand and believe this year, that we're going to be in Christ, we're going to be through Christ, and it's going to go through to other generations. There's legacy right there. In Christ, through Christ, in the church, through all generations. How many of you want that riches to flow through everything you do? You'd be a fool not to. But you've got to come aside. You've got to let somebody unpack you. Somebody put the batteries in, assemble you, do whatever we've got to do in order for that to happen. But we are, we are determined to, to build Lives here, that's in Christ, through Christ, in the church, to all generations. Amen? So let's just raise our hands and we say, Father, we thank you, O God, for your word that has come to our hearts again, O God. The word that surpasses all understanding. But, O God, you've given us a measure of understanding in this dimension, O God, because of the Holy Spirit and because we're in Christ. I appeal to my brothers and sisters this morning, oh God, in Christ Jesus. And Father, I'm going to kneel down before you, Lord, and I'm going to ask you, oh God, for my brothers and sisters, oh God, that they may be deep, deep um, rooted. Father, that they may know the depth, the height, the length, the breadth of this God Almighty, His plan and purpose for their life. My Father, I pray that you'll give them understanding this year. I pray, oh God, that you'll give them the ability, oh God, the willingness of heart to unpack who they are. To allow others to put their hands on their lives and begin to, Father, undo them and, and to assemble them, oh God. So that, Father, their final days on the earth can result in fruitfulness. I pray, oh God, that you'll give this company of people, Father, the ability to go to the other side and pray out of that glorious riches rather than always trying to pray to touch it. But, oh God, they'll pray from in the midst of the blessing. So, Father, right now, I ask you, oh God,
to strengthen this word. Strengthen your people, oh God. Strengthen them in Christ Jesus. Both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.